Welcome to Rants and Reason. I am Chuck. I am Karen. I am a liberal. And I am a conservative. But as Abraham Lincoln reminds us, we are not enemies. We are friends. We are friends. And today we're doing a meme. Monday, yes. it's Meme Monday. Um, one that is near and dear to my heart <laughs> and having to deal with you all the time. <laughs> I feel quite persecuted, but our meme today is a cartoon of Charlie Brown saying, I must have a persecution complex, and we can't really break that down, but we're going to talk about it because it seems like everybody that you run across nowadays has a persecution has <laughs> right, complex. Right, right. Well, a persecution complex is it's a type of delusion, a delusion that is a fixed, irrational belief that one is convinced is true despite all the evidence to the contrary. In the case of people suffering with delusions of persecution, the fixed irrational belief is that others are plotting against them. And then we have victim identity, and that's identification with bad treatment that you've suffered. Its focus is on like perceived damage at the hands of someone else or on a personal weakness that you feel was exploited by someone else. Damage and weakness really become a very important, vital part of your identity. Okay, both are plaguing our society now. Now, it's important to note that we are not medical professionals, so we are going to give you our disclaimer. Yes. We are not are medical, not medical professionals. professionals. All right, and the psychosis of persecution complex is different than we're discussing here. There are multiple sociochemical reasons for these mental illnesses, and that's not what we're talking about. We're just looking at the tribal acceptance of the persecution complex and victimhood in our society. And what kind of made me and you think about this today was that small turnout for the alt-right march in Washington, right. D.C. today. Like 24 people, right? Like two, roughly yeah, it was two, like two dozen. They had yeah. more horses. They had more mounted police <laughs> than they actually had demonstrators there. Right, right, right. And in this, this one of the people that were in this alt-right group said the small turnout was due to persecution from police and counter protesters. Wow. So think that through mm -hmm. a group that has persecution of people different than them built into their mission statement is claiming to be persecuted for their beliefs. Right. The scary thing about that is that idea that they're persecuted, if they continue to say that to other people, it's going to help them grow because perceived persecution has helped every group thrive and that's that's what's scary is what are we not seeing that but. you said that to me earlier and i thought that was really really interesting is every yeah. group that starts to diminish their power starts to diminish they right. start they screaming about persecution right and it's a perceived persecution every time right it's yeah. not like the persecution i get from you <laughs> Right. Well, it seems to you and I both that we live in a country where there's just currency in victimhood. There is a hierarchy of helplessness. On the right, you see it from like the far, far religious right to the NRA, who might be the same people. And on the left, you see it pretty much everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that, that's I mean, my problem with my my tribe is <laughs> everything is a grievance. Well, there's so many sub tribes within the tribes. But, well, exactly. Yeah. Now, there was a paper by two sociologists, Bradley Campbell and Jason Manning, and they explain why concerns about microaggressions have erupted on many college campuses in the past few years. And this was a really, really interesting article, and you can look it up online. 
um, Bradley Campbell, Jason Manning. Well, we could also link it. We will link it, yeah, so you don't have okay. to remember that. that would be easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Karen, you're you're on the ball tonight, Karen. <laughs> yeah. But in brief, what they say is we're beginning a second transition of moral cultures. The first major transition happened in the 18th and 19th centuries when most Western societies moved away from cultures of honor, where people must earn honor and therefore avenge assaults on their own. That's that's your that's that's you. That's my culture. <laughs> Those are my <laughs> <Yeah>. people. <laughs> Then they moved to a culture of dignity in which people are assumed <laughs> to have dignity and don't need to earn it. You say that like it's a bad thing. Well, I mean, it's just kind of dignity. Yeah, culture of dignity. Yeah. Your people. <laughs> exactly. These are your people, Karen. They forswear violence, uh, turn to courts or administrative. Well, you don't really forswear violence because you've threatened me, but you turn to courts or administrative bodies to respond to major transgressions. And for minor transgressions, they just ignore them or attempt to resolve them by social means. They did away with dueling. That is the people, that's a group that did away with dueling, Karen. Yeah, that's everything just went out the, the window with when we took away dueling. That's when that's... society became far less polite. Right. <laughs> well, Campbell and Manning describe how the culture of dignity is now giving way to a new culture of victimhood in which people are encouraged to respond to even the slightest unintentional offense as they do it in honor culture, but they must not obtain redress on their own. They must appeal to, for help to powerful others or administrative bodies to whom they must make the case that they have been victimized. It is the very presence of such administrative bodies within a culture that is highly egalitarian and diverse, and like you see on many college campuses, and that gives rise to intense efforts to identify oneself as a fragile and aggrieved victim. The problem is, in the social sphere, persecution complex is a real belief. Many groups, ones with power, a majority, or a history of cultural dominance that's starting to diminish, they genuinely believe that any loss of influence is persecution. I th people need to realize disagreement and persecution are not the same thing. They're not. And really, the one group that is persecuted the most, I have to say, are old guys like me <laughs> people are coming after us all the time every, <laughs> every time i open my door to go to work i'm looking for people with <laughs> torches and pitchforks coming after me because I, I it truly i mean i'm i'm joking about it but how many times do you hear about the patriarch and i know it exists to a certain degree right no the thing but is i'm not it's, part it's, of it <laughs> i think out of it. i well I think what it is, is that is the one group that really, keep, they, they because they are at the top of the hierarchy, basically, they have no one to redress complaints to because they're kind of at the top of the Right, but I'm <laughs> at the, the bottom. Heap. I'm at the bottom. <laughs> they're, they're at the top of the heap, but I'm at the bottom of that top pile. <laughs> so well, see, that's the thing. That's have, the problem. All you can see are my feet sticking out of the bottom. <laughs> I have so, so... People leave me alone. Stop the emails and threats. And and with that, we've basically lost all credibility. But I keep going. <laughs> well, well, another issue rooting the idea of persecution is that just like confirmation bias, seeing yourself as marginalized can bring chemical and psychological rewards. And honestly, playing the victim has a number of juicy perks. 
These rewards make it very difficult to break out of such a mindset, which is why most victims seem to be so emotionally invested in perpetuating this type of just very, very toxic behavior. Right. And some of the perks include not having to take responsibility for anything, other people lavishing you with attention and feeling sorry for you, other people are less likely to criticize or upset you because they know what your reaction is going to be, you have the right to complain, you're more likely to get what you want, you feel interesting because you get to tell people about all of your stories of injustice. You don't have to feel bored because there's always a lot of drama going on. You can feel angry and indignant. You get to avoid and bypass anger because you're too busy feeling sad. So sometimes you just see yourself as this this sad, pathetic victim. So looking at these perks, you can see how special interests, including religion sometimes, can play on that to thrive. If people are angry and they're getting addictive psychological perks, why would they ever want to leave their mindset? Remember, grievance is big business on both sides of the aisle. Yeah, and there's one simple and relatively reliable way to distinguish real persecution or marginalization. If you can provide multiple real-life personal examples of how they or their community have fallen victim to abuse, harassment, or exclusion based on who they are with little recourse and choice. That's the key, with little recourse. Right then it's likely the real deal. If it's just generalities that they can give, or if they return to a few isolated incidents that are not systemic, then it's likely manufactured and likely stoked by certain media outlets. Right. Ones that are heavily biased in one direction or another. Right. Right. Well, here's some signs that an organization or a religion or a social group is perpetuating a persecution complex. If they're constantly blaming other people or situations for their own difficulties, if they see problems as catastrophes and they blow them out of proportion. That, and, that is one big one is doesn't right. it seem like and, everything is just so blown out of proportion? Yes, today? yes. And you know that, you know, along with the blowing out the catastrophes and blowing out of proportion, there's usually fundraising involved. With <laughs> yeah, that. there is. Yeah. Um, they think that others are purposely trying to hurt them. They believe that they're the only ones that are being targeted for mistreatment. Even when things go right for them, they still find something to complain or be concerned about. They refuse to consider other perspectives when talking about their problems. Mm. Oh, I'm sorry. They go make, ahead. <laughs> they make you feel powerless. They tell you that you are being attacked just when you're being given constructive criticism. So if someone says anything negative at all about the, your organization, you immediately are like, I'm being attacked. That's that's a sign. They insinuate that everyone is accepted except for you and they make you believe that the world is a scary mostly bad place even though there's a lot of factual evidence to the contrary well now that last one about the world being a scary bad place sometimes it is and it's usually when i'm writing scripts with you or putting show notes together <laughs> it's a very scary bad place <laughs> so so Karen, what is persecution? Well, if you're trying to get into the U.S. as an asylee, this is what it looks like. Physical violence, for example, beating, assault, handcuffing, rape or sexual abuse, female genital mutilation, electric shocks, 
invasive physical examinations, forced abortion or sterilization, forced labor. Right. Other violations of human rights like genocide or slavery. Yeah, genocide tends to be a, hum- a violation of human rights. But as I, would, a I would call genocide persecution. A viol- <laughs> right. Threats of serious harm to you or your family. Unlawful detention. Now, remember, punishment for a regular crime is not persecution. But if the person is detained without due process or formal charges or for discriminatory or political reasons, this can rise to the level of persecution, particularly if the detention was combined with um, some type of mistreatment. Also, infliction of mental, emotional or psychological harm like intimidation, surveillance, and we're talking like intense surveillance, (laughs) interference with privacy, long-term threats, or being forced to engage in conduct that that may not be physically painful or harmful, but is abhorrent to the person's deepest beliefs, substantial economic discrimination or harm, for example, deliberate deprivation of food, housing, employment, or other life essentials, or ransacking, destruction, or confiscation of property. Other discrimination or harassment can be passport denial, pressure to become an informer, or restrictions on access to education and basic health needs. And having all of that without any recourse. See, now that I see all these things, I didn't feel like a victim until you started reading these things off. Now I'm starting (laughs) to realize I am a victim. No, I'm... If these things that we just read aren't happening to you then you're probably not being persecuted. Right. So try to keep that off of Facebook, that your group's being persecuted. Exactly. If you really want to know what persecution looks like, look up images of persecution and really look at the faces of persecution and you'll know you are not being persecuted. If you can say that you're being persecuted, that was one thing I thought was funny. Um, During the, I mean, nothing about the family separation thing was funny, but a lot of people were putting pictures of different people in the Trump administration in SS uniforms, Mm -hmm. you know, and if you live in a country where you can do that and no one breaks down your door and arrests you, you're not being persecuted. I mean, that's, you know, when you can, when you can make the comments and the memes and things like that about the government that people do then you're not being persecuted. And on the other side, you know, if you're allowed to sit there and yell at people that you don't like, you're not being persecuted. Right. And if we someone need, we... if someone in your group has not been duct taped to a chair and <laughs> taken to a basement with a battery right. and jumper cables. Right. I mean, there, yeah. there's that's what's that truly, I mean, we kind of laugh, but that's what's really troubling. Right. Is that there is real horrid persecution going on in the world today. Right. And people claiming that they're being persecuted when they're not minimizes actual persecution. Right. And, there, it and minimizes there's persecution it. in this country and there's yes. instances of it. We don't deny that. Mm-hmm. But right. someone being rude to you or something or you just not getting what you want. Right. Or somebody just disagreeing with your opinion right. is not persecution. That's not mm-hmm. persecution. Now, someone sending you, you know, direct messages on Facebook all the time telling you how stupid you are and. They can't believe they you even are on the podcast anymore. That would be considered persecution, Karen. But no. well, but no, we 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 joke about it. But it's it's true that it diminishes all the things that are happening in the world. It does. It does, and that's not okay. And that 
is all we have to say about that. And you got to say that again, Karen. I did. We'd like to thank everyone who takes the time to listen to us. You can follow us on Podbean, Stitcher, and iTunes, and we would really appreciate you dropping us a positive review. Yes, we would, and we have a pretty active Facebook group if you would like to join. You can find us on Facebook at Rants and Reason Podcast Facebook group. And we want to thank our moderators, as we do every show, for everything that they do because we couldn't run that group without them. And they're just awesome people. They are. In general. They really are. So you can follow us on Twitter at Rance Reason. And if you would like to support the show, we do have a Patreon page. And it would mean so much to us if you could help us out there. And you can find us there as Rance and Reason. We appreciate you listening. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. 